Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. What's up, Browns fans? Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. We are going to talk through Browns' 19-10 win and specifically the defensive side of the football as this is your comprehensive breakdown. A little awkward timing here is the Browns have started to trickle in some cuts. Some of the players we will reference here, they have already cut, but uh, we'll make this a quick version of what happened defensively in the game for the Browns. They only defended 54 plays, so pretty successful defensive day uh, overall. Gave up 241 total yards. Fantastic. 4 of 12 on third down for the Falcons. Again, pretty fantastic work by the defense. 80 rushing yards allowed, only 161 passing yards allowed. So pretty great collective day. We'll kind of start in the back half, work our way forward. Snap count-wise, I think, is where we should look at. The two outside corners um, for majority of this game, almost all of it, were Brian Allen and A.J. Green. Those two played uh, 49 snaps for Allen, 45 snaps for A.J. Green. The other 10 snaps accounted for uh, sort of between them was when they went base personnel and Emmanuel Ragumba came in for 24 total snaps. He kind of took over for each of them in little spurts. Otherwise, the other corner that played was Greg Newsom, who had 17 total snaps on the day. Of those 17 snaps for Newsom, 10 of them came in the slot, so... Right from the jump, he was playing nickel sets in the slot. Again, that is something the Browns continue to work at with him. It's Troy Hill's job as the nickel guy primarily, but I've been kind of preaching that when the Browns go into dime looks and they want to have another inside slot defender, they can bump Newsom inside. They obviously want depth at that slot position in case of injury to Troy Hill. But I think that, and, and he got five snaps outside at corner as well, that will be... That'll be a lot of where uh, Greg Newsom will start the year, especially with Greedy Williams' lingering groin issue. Uh, the other two snaps to make up the 17 total were played in the box, so that was when he was a slot player and walked up. Either the Falcons were in a bunch set, trips tight to the uh, to the to the tackle on that side. If you recall, they hit a 20-yard throw. Uh, there was a miscommunication on a on a play action short down and distance where Atlanta sent a player across in flat motion. The Browns got caught with two players, one of which was Newsom trying to communicate who was going to run with that player. And thus, on the snap, Newsom, a little confused, allowed the ball to the, the defender. Sorry, he allowed the receiver to get behind him to make a catch. I think it ended up being like a 20-yard catch. Felipe Franks barely got the football out where it needed to go. Newsom almost made up enough ground to get there, but that's an example of a box snap, although he's playing slot corner. Uh, otherwise, uh, no other people really in the cornerback position took snaps, period. The safeties, okay, uh, we saw a significant amount of snaps. Well, we saw the two early on, uh, 17 snaps from Ronnie Harrison, 17 snaps from John Johnson, both graded pretty well, 78 for John Johnson, 66 for Ronnie Harrison. It's good to see those guys knock off the dust, especially Ronnie Harrison, who's going to be a, an important figure in the safety room. Then the other 31 uh, snaps at safety, 31 safety snaps for Javante Moffitt, uh, free safety-wise, uh, Elijah Benton got seven snaps. Sheldrick Redwine got 25 snaps. Richard LeCount got 21. As it sits today, Richard LeCount had an 81.7 grade in the game, so two really highly graded games for him. 
which is why he's going to make the roster. Hasn't been announced because the Browns haven't announced their final roster, but they did uh, release slash cut Elijah Benton and Sheldrick Redwine. Sheldrick Redwine graded a 59.1, uh, 64.8 in coverage, 40.0 in tackling. He had three tackles on the game, had one missed tackle as well. Continues to be a problem for him uh, ever being responsible for tackling. I don't know if he gets back on the on the um, practice squad or whatever. He might be looking for a fresh start too. I, I continue to remind everybody that you know these guys get opportunities to sign wherever they want upon uh, clearing waivers if they do. So we'll see if Redwine returns. Uh, Javante Moffat also cut. These are two guys who, in my opinion, uh, know the system. I mean, Redwine played in it last year. Javante Moffat was a UDFA. He played in it last year. Obviously had a ton of reps. Moffat did because of hamstring injuries at the position. He got a ton of reps leading up to this point and, and throughout the preseason. So in a, in a situation where you know COVID is, is still active, uh, you're bringing back Grant Delpit from the Achilles one, the hamstring he's dealing with. I think it's important to have guys on your practice squad with experience in the system and understanding of what's expected and can hit the ground running if they're brought onto the active roster. That's where a guy like Redwine, I know Redwine has missed a large portion with the ankle, but even Moffitt to me is a guy who's extremely interesting because he sees a role here. He can eventually become a player in Cleveland. He could get claimed. I don't think he'll get claimed. He could. He could also get a better incentive to go somewhere else on a practice squad. That's a range, that's in the outcome uh, for him. Could be. But I think he sees the writing on the wall, and I'm sure I would like to think there's some communication with him about potentially coming back and why it could be good for him. So uh, we did see Moffat let go, but I would like to like to think you could bring one or two back who can help you in a pinch because it could be a weird season. Emmanuel Ragumba was also let go. He had a nice game, slot corner, 24 snaps. Of the 24 snaps for uh, Ragumba, he played 10 in the uh, 10 on the outside portion of the field, and then when they went down, nickel personnel, he played 13. Well, 14 if you include one box snap. So a young guy who I like, again, uh, a player kind of like Keandre Thomas, who I like, is effective. He's confident, 74.7 grade for him in 24 snaps, 75.1 coverage grade, had a pass breakup. He's a UDFA guy, again, Miami, Ohio, played at Iowa a little bit too, I believe. Uh, he's got confidence, which is you know so important for this job. But, uh, yeah, that's the secondary, and that's kind of how they played in this game. We'll look at coverage stats for for this one. Richard LeCount had one target in his direction, was not caught. Uh, continuing, John Johnson allowed that seven-yard catch on third and eight on a little uh, stick curl route. A nice tackle. Shuttered Redwine, one catch on two targets, seven yards allowed. Ronnie Harrison, one catch, one target, six yards allowed. So very minuscule gains here. Elijah Benton, who only had seven snaps, two catches, sorry, two targets, one catch, seven yards. Brian Allen gets picked on, and Brian Allen got cut as well. We should have, I should have mentioned him. I, uh, I just don't see it with Brian Allen. Two catches allowed on four targets, 32 yards. Uh, seemingly not twitchy enough, not quick enough in and out of breaks, doesn't have a great feel for route concepts, pushing to certain areas of the field, reacted too slow. Not great at the catch point either. Got taken advantage of on a fade route for a touchdown from David Sills in the Giants game. He just needs a lot of development, and I don't know that Cleveland will be the place where he gets that development. Moffitt allowed one catch for 16 yards and one target. Newsom one catch for 21 yards, which I referenced there a little bit ago on that third and short. And then A.J. Green had his worst game, 44.9 coverage grade, 39 yards allowed. Just a beat slow. I thought there were a couple things... He, he usually is pretty twitchy coming out of those those plant cuts, the click and close stuff. He comes out of those things pretty well. 
Uh, but but just a just a little bit slow. His worst game of the preseason, probably probably a game he would like to have back. Three catches on six targets, thirty nine yards. Not exposed necessarily, but he did give up two thir- two first down throws. Same for Brian Allen, another guy who gave up two first down plays. So the touchdown in the game goes to Brian Allen. If you if you remember Josh Rosen fading to the left corner of the end zone, completes that touchdown throw. So that's where the only one goes. Uh, AJ Green did have two uh, two drops when he was covering people, so could have been a worse day for AJ Green. But the two drops when he was in coverage uh, led to uh, led to led to a little bit of a, a benefit for him. Could have been five catches on six targets. So just picked on some. Uh, I'm not I'm not sure that's going to be something we see from AJ Green all the time. I think he's he's sharpened up his coverage enough to the point that I would trust him out there on a Sunday. But we you know he's trending toward cornerback five, which is what we all thought. Not been cut yet. Could be tomorrow, but I don't think he will be. They need more corners. Uh, MJ Stewart's an, an interesting, you know, hurt player at the position because he can play a little bit of both. Has slot experience as well. So uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past though that the Browns could claim somebody at corner too. Take that for what it's worth. The closest play to a turnover was a pass breakup by Richard LeCount, where he was in a, a man-free middle and 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 was. I actually think it was cover three, now that I think back on it. Cover three where he jumped a dig route where Rosen worked right to left, came back to that dig route. He jumped it over the middle and probably should have picked it off, but did not pick it off. He actually led in coverage grade 77.1, John Johnson 74.9. Let's talk linebackers. Uh, Try to sort these guys correctly here, pro football focus-wise. Snap counts. Mac Wilson at 28 snaps, 75.1 grade. Thought he he was just a good game, right where he needed to be, three tackles. One assisted tackle. He did miss a tackle, but he had three stop plays, which constitute those plays that constitute a failure for the offense. I did like that. Thought he played pretty well and probably secured himself a roster spot. Willie Harvey played 27 snaps, 76.9 grade, uh, 62.6 for T. Gray Scales on 15 snaps. Just brought T. Gray in. Have not heard about his uh, fate. I would imagine we'll hear about it soon. Maybe maybe I missed that, so you can correct me if you want to, but I did not hear about his fate. But it, again, a guy I think we'll hear about soon tomorrow. Elijah Lee, 39 snaps, 14 run defense snaps, 23 uh, coverage snaps. He struggled. Him and Anthony Walker graded poorly. Anthony Walker had 17 snaps, um, both graded poorly in coverage, 45.3, 35.5 for Anthony Walker. But like I said, the the run defense score really hurt Elijah Lee because he played more snaps, 54.5 run defense score. Anthony Walker, 66.8. I didn't have a big issue with Walker. I mean, the Pitts catch early in the game was Walker kind of out in space on his own. It looked like Elijah Lee was supposed to handle the flat from Pitts on that boot action pass, but uh, he got caught kind of in the in-between and didn't really go after Felipe Franks and left that uh, left that throw to be made. So if you go back and watch it, you'll see Anthony Walker kind of chasing in the in-between. He has a he has a deep over crossing route that he's trying to chase, but that leaves Pitts open in the flat, which again... Elijah Lee's trying to take away two for one there because if he pursues the quarterback, it's a drop off. If he sits there on Frank's, or sorry, if he sits there on on um, Kyle Pitts, then it is an opportunity to just let allow quarterback run. So he's kind of trying to play between both, but he didn't make a play. Those twenty seven yards end up going to Anthony Walker, and and I think it's kind of a flip of the coin who gets charged for that play because. The play action sold really well, and there were three people to be responsible for, but only two defenders in the relative areas. So otherwise, uh, you know, snap count, coverage grade stuff. Willie Harvey only had one target in his direction, 75.6 coverage grade. Mac Wilson had one, two targets, allowed one reception for five yards. 
uh, guy in his direction did drop a screen pass, but he had sniffed that thing out and was ready for it. Malcolm Smith played at a 61.4 coverage grade, uh, one target in his direction, zero catches. Uh, lastly, Tigray Scales had one catch allowed on 17 yards, so he didn't grade out all too well, 46.6, and then Anthony Walker's 35.5 on that on that Pitts catch. So uh, not not entirely bad in coverage. I mean, they only allowed 161 yards. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, otherwise, grades that, that, like I said, from the linebacker position, uh, nothing really else to know. So only six snaps from Malcolm Smith, which tells me a 73.9 grade that he is he's going to be a really big part of this linebacker room this year. So they protected him, uh, protected Anthony Walker. We'll see what happens between Elijah Lee and Mac Wilson. I think between Taki Taki, you know, JOK, who missed the game with the stitches still, those two are secured, so that fifth linebacker spot remains remains one of interest. We know Willie Harvey was let go. Uh, we'll, we'll see what they end up doing with the fifth spot. That's the one to pay attention to and also paying attention to who they bring back on the practice squad. I think Willie Harvey's a nice player. I've said it for like three years now. Iowa State player who was a UDFA to Cleveland. He knows what he's doing in the system. He was able to come in quickly when the injuries happened to Montreal Meander. 75.6 coverage grade for him in this game. I like Willie Harvey. So let's talk about up front. Uh, people they have let go. Curtis Weaver has been let go. 27 snaps for Curtis Weaver, 56.8 grade. Thought he showed a little more juice in this game than he had in previous games, turning the edge. He had a pressure on a nice on a nice bend play. But I would think that Cleveland notices the lack of explosion, the lack of pass rush refinement. They still might want to get him back on the practice squad if he's willing to come back. He did have a, a missed tackle and one total tackle, the stop play there on the run game. I don't know. I just don't see this this elite level of uh, college athlete that Pro Football Focus tried to sell us a little bit with him coming out. They were very high on him. I don't see it. Uh, I just you know it's not it's not something that I think is there right now. Could he refine his skill set? Could he change his body a little bit more to become more explosive? We'll have to see. But he is. He is a guy that they did let go, but we'll see if he is able to come back. Joe Jackson continued to play pretty strongly, only 14 snaps for him and Porter Gustin. We know now that they, they chose to let go of Porter Gustin. I don't think you could have gone wrong with either of those guys. They claimed Joe Jackson before the season last year. He was a week one player who came on right before the season. They ended up letting go of Eli Ankow to bring him on to the defensive line. They had kept five tight ends initially. 
Pharaoh Brown was let go to to make the claim for Joe Jackson. They like him, a backup strong side end, plays with a nice mixture of power, more so power than speed, but has a little juice to how he plays. You know, he's he's I think he's got nice extension at the top of his rush too to create long arm situations. Can play the run game decently. I think he's the leader for the fourth defensive end unless they claim somebody. He played, like I said, 14 snaps. And Porter Gustin's a high-energy guy, man. He's going to catch on somewhere. He doesn't have pass rush refinement. He doesn't have a great feel for any secondary moves. But he plays hard all the time. Uh, he had some moments in Cleveland last year. The interception in the playoff game. He had a, a, a week two twist play with Miles Garrett where they ended up sacking Joe Burrow to create a turnover. Gustin had some moments, man. Not, not in any way a refined pass rusher or or even continually successful run defense player but he plays hard all the time he's like a, he's like a maybe a little like a cheaper version of Carl Nassib in a way like I just just like him you like him as a rotational guy but they, they ended up picking Joe Jackson it seems in this scenario uh, otherwise Cameron Malveaux had the game of his life it's unfortunate for the young man that he didn't do enough to make the roster but I would imagine they're going to push hard to get him back on the practice squad. 89.5 total grade and 29 snaps. Uh, he had seven total pressures, two sacks, one hit, four total hurries. Great game. Like a really phenomenal football game. But he plays, as far as guys that play with just, just pure power, get up underneath your chest plate, you know, play through you, push you out of the way, that kind of bully ball stuff. Malvo is, is tough at that, man. That's what he excels at. Now, can he add to that over time if he comes back on a practice squad yeah that's the goal if he can add to that add a little bit of speed to, or power to speed to his game or converting speed moves to, to, to back to quickly the power moves that he can handle uh, effectively he's comfortable with two stop plays in this game there's something there so they might try to bring i would imagine they try to bring him back because that's a guy you could bring up as they brought him up last year off the practice squad and and you know be okay feel like a guy who's got experience so a nice game from Alvo we'll see if he's able to make his way back defensive tackle play uh Sheldon Day got 36 snaps a 63.1 grade 72.5 pass rush grade he was pretty pretty good and pretty active he uh he had four total uh pressures on the quarterback one sack three hurries he played a little bit of everywhere he played 24 outside snaps in the D-line alignment. He had 24 snaps over the center shade and seven in the B-gap. So he was he was all over the place, man. He could he played a lot of D-tackle. He played even more defensive end, and we've never seen him play defensive end. Now, is the defensive end stuff with Sheldon Day like a let's see what you can do, or was it like we're just trying to fill snaps here and you can, you can do that for us because we're not going to keep you? I don't know. I don't have an answer on that yet. There are big decisions to be made today on whether they keep Sheldon Day or they keep Tommy Togiai or something along those lines because Marvin uh, uh, Marvin Wilson was already cut. We know Malik Jackson played four snaps. I like what he looks like. He, he plays fast. Malik McDowell, can't say enough about this, the stuff we've seen from him. 71.9 pass rush grade. Some pop plays that I posted on the OBR film breakdown. He's a lock. Malik Jackson, Malik McDowell. Andrew Billings, again, Eight snaps, 69.6 grade. He seems to be a guy that's going to make the roster as your shade. And then, you know, if he's going to be your shade, one tech guy, he's going to work with, in my opinion, he's going to work with Malik McDowell. They're going to split those snaps. Uh, and Jordan Elliott has a fantastic game, an 89.0 grade. 
has a 88.5 run grade. He made three stop tackles, was fantastic moving laterally. 54.3 pass rush grade, but didn't have quite as much pop there, but he did have one pressure, uh, one hurry on the quarterback. But it seems like Elliott is there. Malik McDowell is there. Billings is there. Jackson there. Then it comes down to the keeping a fifth guy. Do they keep Sheldon Day or do they keep Tommy Togiai? Tommy Togiai and <laughs> Marvin Marvin Wilson, who they've let go, 38.5 for Togiai, 38.4 for Marvin Wilson. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Like, there's nothing there. Tommy Togiai is a power guy who plays high, who has no pass rush plan, oftentimes gives up on reps just to stand there and try to knock down the football from the quarterback three, four seconds into a drop. You'll see him chase the chase the play from, from a shallow depth, way, way less pass rush push than anybody around him. I don't know. Sometimes on these things you might need to recognize early there's nothing here. We made a mistake and cut bait. Or he's young. He didn't have a ton of college snaps, which he didn't at Ohio State. He flashed a little bit. There's raw power there. Are they patient with him? But how are they going to get him where they need to get him? If you keep a fifth defensive tackle and you essentially redshirt him every game on Sundays and don't put him on the active 46-man roster for a game day, that's just holding a spot. Now, that that could be what they end up doing. And there are some other guys who are up for that level of of decision-making, too, to keep them because you don't want to give up on fourth and fifth round draft picks so early. But you're also balancing that win now, and Sheldon Day is a guy who can help you win now. So we will have to see what decision they make there. I'm not giving up on Tommy Togiai. He has not played enough snaps at the college level, and obviously he's coming into the NFL against better players, but he has to refine his game from the base up. And that's a process. And if you try to stick him on IR where he can't practice all year, then that means he's never going to get better. So that's not a that's not a, a great solution to the problem either. You have to find a way to keep him. You don't want to expose him to waivers because some team can snatch him up. That means you probably have to keep him on your 53, which means somebody like Sheldon Day could be on the outside looking in. And again, that's a good player. So that's tough. You never like it. But that's how the NFL works. There's no minor league system. There's no red shirt system. This is what it is. Have to make the best of it. Togiai has been bad. I can't call him anything other than bad in the preseason this year. His collective grade is 36.5 and 98 snaps. Okay? 30.5 run defense grade. 47.1 pass rush grade. He's only had two pressures in three games. He had a hurry. None, neither of these hurries were quick hurries as well. He had no solo tackles. He had two uh, assisted tackles, and again, those 98 snaps. One missed tackle. There's not much production there. There's not much good tape. But do do they want giving up on that really quickly is also not the greatest solution sometimes either. So we're going to have to see whether they want to develop the player or whether they have figured out on their own this player is not the answer because uh, I think between him and Marvin Wilson, they were in most of the end of the game. Did not play very well together, like I said. They had 23 snaps from Marvin Wilson and 32 snaps from Tommy Togia, and you got next to nothing. Marvin Wilson, again, a guy they might try to bring back to the practice squad. He played in the preseason 66 snaps. Did not register a single pressure on the quarterback. Not a single sack, hit, or hurry in those 66 snaps, including 50 pass rush snaps. Because the games were usually Cleveland out in front of him in those games, that means that they weren't running much. 16 run defense snaps had zero anything. Zero, zero tackles, zero assists, didn't miss it. It was just a giant zero in everything for data collection for the young man. He had one penalty. So, you know, that's it. 
he registered one penalty. 29.9 total grade defensively, 29.6. And just such a weird, weird fall for a player that after 2019, the NFL Draft Advisory Board gave him a first-round recommendation. He decided to go back to Florida State in another year for 2020, played really poorly. We saw him fall in the draft. We saw him test poorly. And now we see a UDFA that has done nothing at its three preseason games. So, yeah, maybe you get him back on the practice squad, you develop him, you try to have an A.J. Green-like outcome where he's a fringe roster player, but anytime you grade this poorly in the preseason between Togiai, Marvin Wilson, and preseason doesn't mean everything. God, no, it doesn't mean everything, but but you you generally don't see guys who grade that poorly become real, successful quality NFL players. You just don't. You have to be you have to show some things. So, it's not impossible, but it is to the point that it's extremely concerning. And Tommy Togia is relying on his draft slot. His draft slot's going to potentially save him here, but I also would not be stunned to see Cleveland move on from him tomorrow when when uh they get into the really really tight cuts to make the 53 work. We should talk about specials here. Uh, because this is going to be an important part of who stays and who goes. A.J. Green had 13 special team snaps, three kick returns, five kick coverage, two punt returns. We all know about his blunder, his penalty, hurt his overall grade. He's on the field goal block team, so I think that is an indication to me he is going to be a Sunday player. Richard LeCount had 11 special team snaps, three in the return, five in the kick coverage, two in the punt return, similar stuff to A.J. Green. He just doesn't play field goal block. Uh, other guys, Javante Moffitt had 11 snaps as well, one less kick coverage snap, uh, but he's an active part of it in a 78.0 grade. Uh, otherwise, guys who perform well, Brian Lee performed well in his nine, guys who are also getting a lot of snaps. Elijah Lee got nine special team snaps. Mac Wilson got seven. He was on kick return for one, kick coverage for two, punt return for three. So he has gotten this, he got an 85.5 grade as well. He's a guy who's gotten this uh, this label of not being a guy who plays specials. Clearly, he's playing special teams. Okay, Joe Jackson had five special team snaps, kick return. He's a three all three kick returns he was out there for, so he'll be a part of that on Sundays. Two punt return as well. That kind of wraps up specials. We'll look at who's going to be an active part of those things a little later when we can feel out the fifty three man. Greg Newsom had two special team snaps. He was on one punt return. I think he'll be a part of that on Sundays too. But yeah, that's our defensive review. I tried to talk about most players let go, some thoughts on them. We will obviously get a clearer picture by the 4 o'clock deadline tomorrow. Then on Wednesday, uh, well, today, as I'm recording this thing at 1 in the morning, uh, then on Wednesday, we will get the waiver wire opens up, and we'll see what solution it comes to. But by Friday of this week, we'll have a clear answer on what the actual 53-man will be like for the Browns. So in the discourse of this game... Again, a nice defensive game for the Browns. Some players' fates were decided. I tried to talk about those for you guys. Tried to talk about some performances, maybe some practice squad names to keep an eye on. We will have in-season far more granular study of, of individual players' performances, big plays, all of that. But in the preseason, it's such a wide spectrum because so many guys are playing. It gets narrowed down to like 13, 14 guys, sometimes 15 in the regular season. And we can really talk about those players, talk about the schemes, decisions from Joe Woods, what they did to mess with opposing offenses. That'll all be covered here. So hopefully you're enjoying these these comprehensive breakdowns. We'll be back with the offense tomorrow where we'll, again, I'll comment on the 53-man, some of the players let go, decisions that were made, and even you know some of the defensive guys 
who I maybe didn't quite get to address in this podcast because those guys hadn't had their fate decided yet. We'll come back and touch on those as well. We will have a Twitch show up at 7 o'clock tonight where we discuss every single decision made on the day, talk about this initial 53, try to pinpoint some other guys who could still be either traded or uh, a part of a facade that's going to be a player released. Like, again, I keep referencing it, but the Browns kept five tight ends initially on their 53, and we're like, that's not right. They used that as a spot holder for somebody that they would claim. So we'll try to keep an eye on what they could do there with with the names that are initially released on the 53. So should be, again, this is, it's sort of weird because a lot of, you know, young men's decisions, these decisions are impacting the rest of their lives and guys are losing out on their dream and all of that. But it's a fun time to look at the Browns roster and it's a fun time to break it down. Uh, and and it's, it's weird in that sense, though, that some people's dreams are being crushed, but we use it as an opportunity to talk about, about the NFL and talk about your team and have fun. And fans love to, to break down, you know, break down uh, decisions made for the roster and guys that won't even have a big impact on the season. It's just a fun exercise. So we'll keep doing it. We'll keep talking about it. And uh, listen, I want to thank you. It's been a ridiculous month. I've put up a podcast every single day this month, which is new. Last month, I kind of put up podcasts five days a week. would do a little weekend bonus content edition stuff because there just wasn't a ton to talk about. But now that the season's here, I'm trying to do every single day. Sometimes it's a burden. Sometimes I have to be up at one in the morning recording these to get it out. I hope you're enjoying it. Hope you find it worthwhile. The 31 podcasts that we posted this month are going to result in over 100,000 downloads for a single month, which is which is bananas and speaks to you guys, the listener, uh, for, for supporting this podcast the way you do. So... Uh, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for, for enjoying this show. I know sometimes it's just me rambling about th- thoughts I've had on the game or study I've done. Uh, I will continue to do that until I hear enough people say, hey, man, I need another voice. You, you, your voice alone is is annoying, stupid, and I'm tired of it. I will keep doing that. But I will also try to keep having guests on throughout the week, later in the week, after the breakdown. Nobody else really spends the time I do doing the breakdown, so having somebody on during them would be a disservice to them, in my opinion. It just wouldn't go well. So I try to get some opinions a little bit later in the week that can balance out some of the thoughts I've given you and give you different perspectives. I'll keep trying to do that. Again, thank you so much for the downloads this month. You guys are the best. If you can, if you have not done so already, subscribe to this pod. Okay, you get that automatic download. It's ready for you whenever you want to listen to it. And whatever p- platform, Apple, Spotify, we're on a bunch of different platforms. Check it out. Make sure you do that. Leave a review. That would be greatly appreciated. And one last reminder to check out our show tonight, 7 o'clock on the OBR Twitch, where we will have all of our staff members chatting about the Browns decisions, the 53, all of that fun stuff. It's interactive. Chat room, all of it. Join it. Check us out. Thanks so much, Browns fans, for joining today. Have a great, great Tuesday. And as usual, go Browns.